hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hey, and welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, an adulting advice podcast production. I'm Danny Sheriff, and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. Let's dive in. And guys, please remember that I am not a doctor and nothing on this show should be taken as medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician. Hey everyone, welcome back to the HA podcast. It actually feels like forever since I've said that. I don't record all of the time. I record in like batches per month. So I think this is the first time I've said it in a couple of months. So feels pretty good. We are here with Elise Laurie, and she is actually, I'm pretty sure, one of my first members of the HA Society, maybe like the first in the first cohort. Um, And she's been there ever since, and she came without a period, and now she has one, and I'm just really excited for you guys to listen to her story from start to finish. Um, It's a really good one. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's really funny because I remember when your podcast came out in July, 
that's when I first learned about HA and I was out for a very gentle walk during recovery, listening to a recovery story that you had. And I just said to myself, I'm going to get my period back and get on this show. And here I am. Did you really? Yeah. (laughs) I love that so much. I hope there's other people with that goal as well. Yeah. That was one of the main reasons I recovered. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. For the kudos to be able to share the story. I love it. Oh, I'm psyched for everyone to hear the the start to finish and the highs and lows. So will you just take us at the beginning? Yeah, sure. So I will just mention I was on the pill for 10 years. And the only reason I mention that is because I don't really know when my HA started. So the pill definitely masked a lot of the symptoms and I just put it down to being on the pill for so long and all that sort of stuff. I'd never really sort of figured that it was my lifestyle that was causing these really light withdrawal bleeds and stuff like that. Like I didn't even know that when you're on the pill, you don't actually get a period until I was already on the pill for eight years. So I felt very sort of lost. Um, And it wasn't actually until my partner said to me back in June, 2020, that me not having a period was a bit of a red flag for him. Because for me, it was my libido that was kind of gone. And that's when I started to worry about like what's going on. Like I've been off the pill. So I came off the pill in March last year and my libido never really came back. My period never came back. And obviously I heard of post-pill amenorrhea, but obviously I know now that that's not really a thing. Um, And I started looking into – I went to the doctors. So – Danny knows that I'm in a long distance relationship. So my partner actually left in July and I started HA recovery in July. So it all kind of fell into place for me very coincidentally, I would say. So I went to my doctors to have just like a regular checkup and she noticed that like on my file, it said that I was on the pill. She asked me if I was on the pill. I said, no, actually I came off that about six months ago. I still haven't had a period. I didn't really know whether I should mention it to you or not. Um, And I was so grateful that my doctor said to me, it's common, but it's not normal. And we should look at tests because knowing what I know now, a lot of women have gone through absolute, it's been an absolute nightmare for some women to get a doctor to sort of take not having a period seriously. So I was really grateful for that. And it was actually the day that I'd left the doctor's office um, I started my university degree as an exercise as exercise and sports scientist. Um, and one of my lecturers had put up a whole list of different podcasts. And one of them was the Mindful Dietitian with Fiona Sutherland. And I scrolled through the list and there was one with Nicola Rinaldi and it was called Let's Talk About Missing Periods. And I just was like, hmm, this is interesting. And I put the podcast on, I went for a walk and within five minutes, I was like, this is me. I was like, I have HA because even though we were in lockdown last year and the gyms were closed, I did high intensity training, like uh, circuit training out on my back veranda every single day. I was counting calories. I wasn't eating enough calories. Um, I know that now. Uh, so it was very sort of your typical um, under fueling, over exercising Uh, hey jay yeah so before you realized that that was what was going on what did you think about your lifestyle and stuff at the time um 
being a personal trainer, I I genuinely thought I was healthy and fit, but I also know now, obviously I wasn't, but I also know now looking back, I was suffering a lot from disordered eating and I had a very disordered relationship with exercise. But at the time, you couldn't tell me that, you know? Yeah. Do you remember how you got into that, all of that stuff? Um, yeah, I think it sort of started when I was about 17. I went on uh, a 30-day sh- a shred because I used to be sort of a I'm, – I'm 5'10", so I'm not a short person. Um, and because I am 5'10", I used to be a little bit bigger than a lot of my friends because they weren't 5'10". So I felt very sort of um, like I didn't fit in. So during the end of high school, we have your graduation and everything like that. So I wanted to lose a little bit of weight because I'd already started exercising. And then my personal trainer at the time, who was a family friend, started um, getting me to like just do a food diary very innocently just to see what I was eating. And then once we tweaked a few things and I started to see that if I paired exercise with food, I could control my body and I could get my body to look a certain way. I think that's really sort of when it started. It was very innocently when I started exercising at 15, but by the time I was 17, I was on this 30-day shred and I lost a bunch of weight. I felt great, but then I went and worked on cruise ships and I continued to eat the the same way, which was very low-carb, high-protein, but now instead of just doing a workout and schoolwork, I was doing – I was teaching – a a stretch class, uh, abs class, a spin class, a yoga class, a Pilates class, a boot camp. And then me being my 19-year-old self didn't think that they were workouts because I didn't do them for myself. So at the end of the day, I'd back it up and I would do my own workout. Yeah. You had intense, neat, like, and then some going on. Yeah. And I just wasn't fueling adequately enough because I guess – you know, the type of personality I am is I like that routine. So like when I knew that this food worked for me, I just kept with it. I didn't try and adapt and change it, which I now know I have much higher energy needs and I would have had probably higher back then, but I just wasn't eating to serve that. And I just think it started off really innocently, but then it took like it started off innocently and I had control, but then it definitely took a life of its own and it was controlling me. This is all hindsight, obviously, but yeah. Yeah. Also like can't get over the fact that you're so tall. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm blessed. I am blessed. I mean, because I'm just trying to imagine like by the time I meet you, I'll have known you for over a year. And in my head, you're not 5'10". And so it's going to be painful for me. <laughs> I love that. No, I know. I feel the same way. I met I met someone uh, that I've connected with through HA the, um, the other day. And she said the same thing. And like, I kind of said, oh, I didn't expect you to be like, I didn't say short, but I was like, you know, <laughs> it was just weird because you don't, yeah, you don't imagine them as their height but yeah I'm 5'10". (laughs) You meet so you connect with so many people around around it I feel like every time I talk to someone in the group they're like yeah well I've been talking to Elise about it 
and now you're like you've just gone and met up with someone so what is it that makes you so keen to connect with all of these people because I don't want women to have to go through what I went through you know I don't want to I, I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. I mean, HA has been the biggest <laughs> blessing in disguise, mm. but I just mean like, and I'm sure we'll get into it, what I really had to go through to get my period back. I can relate to a lot of these people that haven't had their period yet or they've had their first period, but they've waited so long for their second. Like, And I think too, I I don't want to forget what recovery was like for me, not like anytime soon. And I think when I connect with other people, they also allow me to reflect on my own journey even more because when I hear what they're going through, I can sort of take myself back to when I was feeling like that mm-hmm. and obviously try and offer some hope that you can actually get to this side of recovery. Because like I said to you, I remember listening to this podcast being like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, and I've done it so far. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely a similar feeling for me. It's like so nice when you've been through something and you can see the other people going through it and you know exactly what they're going through and exactly the thoughts that they're having. And you just, there's a lot of purpose in this, um, which we're going to get to. So let's start with we finished like how you found out and what prompted all of this. So begin now from, you know, day one of like, okay, I'm going to try and eat this food. and Yeah. Okay. Um, so as soon as I heard that podcast, I bought no period. Now what the ebook and started reading it that night. Um, then the next day I decided I need to start eating more. So it wasn't, I was eating about, 1700 calories so for me to get to 2500 calories yeah I know um for me to get to 2500 calories was a bit of a a push so I did it gradually I didn't just wake up the next day and eat 2500 calories because you know I already felt bloated eating 20 2000 calories or 2200 calories so it was a little bit gradual but that decision to eat more was the next day I was going to go you know all in and I did cold turkey no exercise for that first week and I went back to my doctors absolutely miserable because I just I didn't I felt lost I felt so confused because then I kept going back in my head being like well do I actually have HA do I actually have to do this like is this me are we sure so my doctor my doctor helped me rule out PCOS and obviously the rare tumor on your pituitary gland and all that sort of stuff helped me rule out all of that. And she said, we have to look at your lifestyle factors. And that's when I had to take a really hard look at myself and realize what was going on and trying not to deny it anymore. Um, And I did say to my doctor, like while we were running these tests and waiting for the results and stuff like that, can I exercise? And she said, yes, if it's coming from a place of enjoyment and not because you feel like you have to exercise. Mm -hmm. So I made a point to go with a friend. So I told one of my close friends at the time what I was going through. And I said, I need an accountability buddy because I know me, if I go into the gym on my own, 
I can say I'm going to do a really light workout, but I'd end up pushing myself too much anyway. Mm -hmm. That's just me. So my, my girlfriend was going to come with me. And then when we had it planned, she had to get called into work. So I didn't go because I wasn't going to go on my own. Then the two days later, we planned to go again. Same thing happened. She got called into work. We tried again a third time, but I messaged her and I said, I said, how are you feeling? And she's like, oh, I'm not feeling too good. I was like, neither, neither do I. So do you just want to go to the pub? So we went to the pub and we shared a bottle of um, champagne and then we went and had gelato. And that's how I said goodbye to exercise because I kind of looked at it this way. Like that first week cold turkey, I ripped the bandaid off. I was going to put the bandaid back on, but then it just never really happened. And I'm kind of grateful for it because if I had to slowly work out and then rip it off again, it just would have, it just would have sucked. And I still remember how, miserable I was in that first week of being like all right I'm going all in because it sucked it felt like I was losing a huge part of me because I'd obviously identified myself as that fit person as the exerciser as the one who never missed a workout and I was I was um you know commented on that sort of stuff I was praised for that for you know a decade so for me that like praise and validation kept coming so I thought to myself what's going to happen when I'm not this person anymore and I really didn't know what I was going to fill my time in with because I was like (laughs) I exercise so much what am I going to do but being a uni student definitely helps (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's awesome okay cool so you started it and you're on a roll eventually with eating more and yeah. So, as in less, so what was easy? What was hard? Yeah. So I think, and I know I've written about this in, in the blog post that I did for you about when I gave up all high intensity exercise, so all weightlifting, all circuit training, running, all that sort of stuff, I gave it up. I switched it for yoga and it wasn't until about six weeks all in that I realized I was still very regimented and very rigid with my exercise routine. I would have to walk every day. I'd have to do at least 20, 25 minutes of yoga every day to calm my mind. And I kind of just, I just kind of tricked myself to thinking that it wasn't the same. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously there's women out there that can get their periods back by walking and doing yoga but my body just couldn't. And I had to accept that, that my body needed more rest and more more time to heal and trust me and trust that I'm not actually running back in the other direction. Because yeah. like we both know, stress is stress. You know, your body doesn't know whether you're running from a saber-toothed tiger or you're running on a treadmill. You know, it's just stress either way. For some reason, I doesn't know that. Um, agree. It's weird. The other piece that's common for a lot of people is also the, we can really tell ourselves, like, I'm, I'm only working out right now from a place of wanting to, and I'm doing this because I want to. And, uh, but I think it's very hard for us to really know the difference and consciously make that decision. I can say from my own experience, I did the whole yoga thing. Like you and I are very similar in our experiences. And 
it really just wasn't working. And for me, I think a lot of it came down to still having these things on my to-do list that I, you know, have to get done, still feeling like yoga or something was, um, was checking a box for me. And additionally, I wasn't enjoying yoga. So yeah. that was probably another part of it. But yeah, I think it's a mixture of we're still regimented in some way and it's still coming for a lot of us from a place of mitigating damage on weight gain. So it's it's really hard to know where, like, what's true for you. Yeah, and and that's the thing. And that's why I said, you know, some women can do yoga and get their period back. But I got to the point where I realized that that wasn't me. I got to the point where I realized my body's probably been through enough. And this is what I also said to myself, you know, I've worked out pretty consistently and pretty hard over the last 10 years. I can give my body six months off to recover and heal a year off if I wanted to. Do you know what I mean? Like that all, that mindset wasn't all at once, but it definitely helped me put it into perspective. You know, like I've worked out for the last 10 years I'm going to take this six months off, this six to 12 months off so I can work out again for the next 10 years, but from this completely different place, you know, from this healed place, from this respectful place towards my body, instead of this place that I came from, which was just to manipulate and, and essentially it was torture to my body, Mm -hmm. you know, not that I knew that at the time, Um, but yeah. To rebuild your relationship with exercise, you have to start from the beginning. Yeah. And that can really mean like you, you stop for a while in order to get like a proper reset. Yeah. It's because we don't have the ability to go from 100 to, you know, wherever we need to actually be overnight. And that's the hardest part for so many of us and something that I love about your story and having watched you kind of go through all of this is the scary part for many people is that like okay I'm this way now and then I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to be this other way and it's going to suck like it's going to I'm I don't know I'm going to be the most enormous person in the world or I'm going to like lose all respect from everyone or I'm going to have no socioeconomic status anymore. But the reality is different because that switch doesn't actually flip overnight. It's it's not it's more of a, a progression and it has ups and downs. And that's why it's always called a journey, right? It's a journey that you're on. So when by the time you get to the other side, your perspective is way different and the reality of what happened is different to what you thought it was going to be at the beginning. So throughout, like what realizations did you have and what has become the end result, including in here, like when did you get your period? How did all of that go down? Yeah, so... I got my first period two weeks after I gave up the yoga routine. So that just validated the fact that my body did need the rest, you know? And um, then I guess for me, that's when the real work started was after my first period. Um, 
I'm not saying that getting my first period back wasn't hard. It was, but there was just a whole new level of hard afterwards because, as you know, it took 62 days. I waited longer for my second period than I did for my first by almost two weeks. And this is important. And there'll be some people who where this makes sense. And there'll be some people listening who they're like, I'm confused. How do you have HA for this long? And then you have it in two weeks. So people understand you could be really close. Like you could be doing a lot of good things, eating enough food, resting more. You could actually be making progress. So don't think that because you're not quote unquote perfect in the process that you're not forward. But many of us get to this point where we can't quite get across the line. And this is where our body is wanting to ovulate, but it's not. And sometimes it can ramp up and back off and ramp up and back off. And in these women, we often see signs of cervical mucus are there, but nothing is happening or like some type of hormonal like swelling or some type of hormonal symptom is happening, but there's no period. It can be really confusing. We really can stall the process right at the end of the finish line. And it can be as simple as an emotional or a mental change that you need to make to get you across the line. So I wanted to explain that to anyone who is confused. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, it. I don't think, looking at my temperatures, I don't think my first cycle was um, ovulatory, which is quite common in people mm-hmm. recovering from HA. So I was temping for a couple of weeks before I got my first period. I don't know if I would recommend it for everyone to do because you may not have those ovulatory cycles and that can just be a bit more stressful. Yeah. So what we're talking about is like tracking your cycle and taking your temperatures to watch for ovulation because if you haven't heard me say it a million times before, just because you get a bleed doesn't mean that your cycle is working optimally. You know, so what, Elise was doing was tracking to see, well, am I actually ovulating? Like, is this bleed the real deal? And that's super duper important. So yeah, what you're saying is that the first one doesn't look like it was ovulatory, but it's still huge progress. Yes, of course. And I think too, like I didn't have a lot of cervical mucus, but I knew I was on the right track because my sex drive came back. I was just like, this is what it feels like. And I'm in a long distance relationship. This is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh, yes, yeah, that but, sucks. but yeah, I guess the after my first recovery period, I didn't really change anything if I'm being 100% honest, but I think there was something subconsciously going on. So I got my first period and I didn't gain as much weight as I thought I was going to gain. And I thought, this is amazing. You know, I still look good. I still feel good. I didn't have to gain X amount of weight. And already by then I could tell just by my language that I was still hung up on the weight gain side of things. Mm. Like I hadn't made peace with it. And I think somewhere subconsciously I tried to control it because I thought, well, I've got one period I don't need to gain any more weight. I'm good, right? Like I can just, but like like I said, I didn't really do anything to lose weight or maintain weight. I'm still eating like the same sort of things, but I just think somewhere subconsciously something was going on and 
my body knew that, you know, that's the thing I like to say is like, you can't trick your body into thinking that you're committed to recovery. If there's still part of you, that's not so sure about it. Like your body knows, like, and that's something I've come to learn is that your body is always going to be the smartest person in the room. It's just that over time with different things that are said in, in our culture and stuff like that, that we think that we shouldn't trust our body. We think, you know, we should eat it this time and this time we should eat this much food at like, you know, we should exercise this many days a week. Like we stop listening to our body along the way. And that's one reason I wanted to recover is because my partner and I have no desire to have, have a family in the near future, but one day, yes. But for me, recovery was about really finding myself because for so long, I felt like my my body and my mind were two completely different entities. Like they just didn't sync. You know, my mind was always against my body and clearly my body was against my mind. It was kind of like they were at war and I was, I was miserable. Like I was happy on the outside, but really I was, wasn't happy with myself. I, yeah. And I think that was a huge reason why I wanted to go through recovery is just because I didn't know who I was. (laughs) I was, I was, you know, mid twenties when you're meant to sort of have a lot of things figured out, you know, and I had no idea. Interesting. That sounds like a very, um, I don't know, I guess mature way to come about the decision. Cause I think a lot of people would walk away feeling like they got, they got their periods, you know, scot-free or whatever the saying is. I get a lot of DMs from people who are like, um, I got my period back ages ago, but my cycles are 65 days or, you know, but my, I only bleed for two days and stuff like that. And often that's paired with language around like what you're saying of, but I still look good. So like, I feel happy about that. Or like, I, I don't want to have to gain more weight or, I'm, but I, I'm exercising, but like, I really want to just, it's just for fun. And like, this is one of my favorite things about working with clients one-on-one is like you peel back the layers and it's like, mm, but do you like, but are you actually happy? But is this the truth? And it sounds like you did a lot of that thinking by yourself and came to those conclusions. Yeah. I, if you read my journal from like the last eight months, there is a whole roller coaster in there. Um, but yeah, I definitely came to that conclusion. And I I think it was around cycle day 40, I started to, I guess, panic a bit because I read Nicola Rinaldi's blog about, you know, the average cycle time after your first period and average was 40. So, you know, God forbid I was anything above the average. Um, (laughs) That's just my personality. Um, So once it got to cycle day 40, I took like a real big reassessment and I just, I came to that conclusion that I was still holding onto this control. Before it was the exercise, I still wanted to control the walking and the yoga and then with my second period, it was the control of my weight. I was scared to gain more weight. And in hindsight, I did gain more weight and I'm okay with it. But 
it was something I'm okay with it because I knew my body needed it after so many years of you know calorie restriction and over exercising and you know just being in that energy deficient state my body needed the extra weight gain and I actually started calling it weight restoration I think Sarah Liz King said that or something and it was just made sense because that's what I was doing as I was restoring the weight so that I could restore that relationship with my with my body it is a good way to think about it I restored the same amount of weight as my starting weight um it's yeah it's a good way to think about it and I'm not saying that everyone has to gain more weight after their first period. I'm just saying that this is what I had to do because I had to assess my thoughts and I realized that my thoughts were still not in a healthy place, mm-hmm. you know, and I realized that if, like I started saying to myself, like, this is my recovery body. It's not going to be my forever body, but I have to love her like it is. Yeah. And yeah. I just kept telling myself that and telling That's myself like a, that. an important point, lots of important points, <laughs> that you're, you know, you have to go through this whole transition and it has lots of different chapters and it looks different and you'll look different and feel different, but none of this is permanent. And I think I don't mean to say that in the sense of like, like you'll be able to lose weight later and not yeah. lose your period this time. But whatever you're fearing about the process right now is not permanent. And I think we really see this whole like eat all this food and do absolutely nothing as like a prescription for the rest of your life. And it's just so temporary especially if you stop beating around the bush with it. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, like your, your mental, like your mental headspace is temporary. Like what you're thinking right now is temporary. You know, your thoughts aren't always the truth just because they're thoughts doesn't mean that they're true. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's Oh, sorry. So no, you're fine. Rabbit hole about oh, yeah, for sure. how to prove that our thoughts are untrue, but that'll just take way too long. Maybe another day. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I know what you mean. And I also know like, and I can relate to what you said, like if you don't beat around the bush and that's just kind of, that's just kind of me. That's just my personality. Like once I kind of approached recovery like I would approach any other goal, exercise-related goal, I approached recovery that way. I thought this is what I have to do, you know, and I'm, I only want to do it once. <laughs> I only want to ever give up exercise once. I only ever want to reintroduce exercise once. So that's why, like, it's not perfect, and I'm not saying I've done it perfectly at all, but I've just been open to listening to what my body needs because right now my body calls the shots. I know a question on your mind is how long will recovery take me? And I know that because I get that question a lot and it's tough because the timeline can be really unknown and Look, I can't give you a magic answer that's 100% accurate, 
But what I can do is ask you a whole lot of questions to understand things like what your lifestyle is, where your mindset's at, what have you already tried? What are you willing to try and not willing to try? And a lot more questions like that to determine a general range that you could expect. So I created a quiz to help get that answer to you because I was asking these types of questions to girls all the time. So I thought I'd make a quiz and it's called how long might it take to get my period back? (laughs) The quiz. So Once you go through it and you answer the questions, it will give you not just a time range, but a quick description of how you might be feeling to help you connect with that answer and see and make sure, yes, like this fits, this feels good for me. And don't worry, these ranges don't have to be set in stone at all. The goal is to allow you to look at the range that came based on your answers and decide you know do I want to do this or do I want to speed this up so once you get your range you'll also get a few emails from me that week with some important tips that are specific to you to help you work through some of the roadblocks that could be slowing you down and in turn speed up your recovery time frame so Take the quiz now. Just head to quiz.thehasociety.com or find the link in the show notes and let's do this. That's quiz.thehasociety.com. So what happened after the first period? Yep. So... Once I got to that cycle day 40 and I hadn't seen any signs of ovulation, I mean, I did have a follicular wave around cycle day 14. So I got really excited, but then obviously nothing ever came from it with my temperatures. Um, around cycle day 14, I, I've been seeing a psychologist since August who specializes in body image and eating disorders. Um, and It wasn't until around that cycle day 40 mark, I had three people. I had my my partner, I had my mum, and I had my dad's partner who lives with me say, you may be a bit too obsessive with this. And (laughs) this happens. A hundred percent because I took, and my partner did say like, look, you have an obsessive personality. There's nothing wrong with it. But he said, I just feel like you've taken one obsession with exercise and you've made a new obsession with recovery. And I mean, that hurt to hear, but then I heard it from my mom and I heard it from my dad's partner. So I was like, maybe there's some truth in this. And mm-hmm. I went and saw my psychologist and I talked about it and I realized, yes, I'd become obsessed with this recovery. I remember staring at my graph, like I was going to be able to change my temperatures. <laughs> like, I had let it start to consume me and that really stressed me out. And I just needed to take a step back and just let my body do what it needed, which was to gain more weight and to chill out a bit more. And then I ovulated six days later and I got my period at cycle day 62. So I had a really long second cycle. It's interesting that you are so responsive to immediately chilling out. I mean, I can say that now. It probably wasn't there – was, there was a lot of tears and frustration, but I knew at the same time I had to let my body do what it needed. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I had to just give up that final bit of control that I was holding on to and really lean into recovery and let it take its course, whatever that looked like for me. Yeah. The obsession piece is very common. There's a lot of people who are like, they're, they're looking for information everywhere. They're reading every single blog post. They're like reading the book there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would have been that way if like when I went through it, there was stuff to binge, Yeah, but there wasn't so much. Um, the, it's like, it's tough on one hand. I absolutely think there needs to be resources for you to go to because having no resources and like no people to lean on or places to get information from, it just drives you crazy in another way. But we absolutely need to draw the line just like with exercise, right? It's healthy in certain doses. And we just, you know, I get a lot of people be like, you know, thank you so much for the podcast, but like I need to take a full break now. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, for sure. Mm. And that makes sense, but I'm not the only place they're taking a break from, you know, they, yeah. they've they've gone hard. And it's like, okay, how about you just tune in on Wednesday? <laughs> whenever the show comes out and you know you like check in with your accountability friends or whatever and then you take the rest of the week to absorb like just that one thing that you that you discussed or that one thing that you focused on yeah instead of like every day always looking for the next piece of information because i think that we all know there's only so much information about this particular topic and the rest of what we talk about is like mindset, like getting through this. And yeah. we all have what we need. And I think we keep listening, hoping to find some information that's a little bit different. But really all we need is um, to know that there's people just like you out there that did the work and and the work works. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, oh, and I totally agree. And I do think, and I know it's been said before from a few other people, but just you can, of course, you can eat all the food and rest as much as you like and you will get your period back. But if you don't work on that psychological side of HA recovery, mm. it's really hard, I think, not to fall back into old habits once you get that that third period. And I think yeah. the psychological part of HA recovery is is so crucial. I know it was for me because I had a lot of different mental obstacles I had to overcome just because of my history with food and exercise and body image. Yeah, absolutely. Once you if if you're one of the people who can see oh I oh whoops under eight, you know, and make the change you're not actually who we're talking to today because you really did just like make an error and it was easy for you to adjust. Mm. But it's it's everyone else who is like afraid to let go of that that thing. And it's not necessarily like a, a whoops, okay, let me rectify that. It's like a, oh, shit. This is going to take I some work. change. Yeah. And, and like, that's, that's who we're here for. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Mm, it's, it's all mental work in that case, because you know what to do. It's actually quite easy. Um, yeah. Cause I feel like too, 
while I was waiting for that second period, so much time went past. I honestly thought my third period, uh, my first period, sorry, was a dream. I honestly <laughs> thought like it didn't happen. Like I was, yeah. you know, I was just so confused and lost because not did I, I didn't think recovery was going to be, you know, linear, but I guess I just wasn't, pre- I wasn't prepared. And I mean, I don't think you can be prepared for what recovery is going to look like. Cause it's going to look re- completely different for everyone. But I think you can have that awareness and acceptance that you're no longer in control. Yeah. Yeah. And once, and once you have that awareness and acceptance recovery, it, it, it feels easier in a way because you've just let go of that control because I came from such a controlling place. Like I got to the point where I, I didn't just control food and exercise. I tried to control any situation I was in. Like when I would plan a dinner or plan an event out, like it would have to go like perfectly. Otherwise <laughs> I would consider it a, a, a failure of a night or something like that. And I, would, I wouldn't know how to deal with that uncertainty coming up. And, you know, we both know there's so many uncertainties in life in general. And I think a huge part of my HA recovery was letting go of that control and accepting the uncertainty that life does bring, you know, because that serves you in recovery, but it also serves you in life. Yeah. It's amazing how many people will resonate with that exact thing. Like I needed to control situations. I couldn't like be spontaneous. And it's a very interesting trait that is across many of the women listening. And it just like, dude, I'm pregnant. So I keep losing. I lose um, my sentences mid sentence. It's so weird. But the point is there somewhere guys. (laughs) The point is there that it's a common trait and what you're, one of the things you're most afraid of is losing control And this process will give you the freedom from control. Oh, a thousand percent. Give it a chance, which is why we have our group, basically, actually. Like, that's a really good point. So, like, the whole reason that we have the HA Society is because you, like, you know what to do. It's just really helpful to have other people on the way to feel like you're not by yourself to like watch other people let go of control of their life. And you see that it's not a train. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. And honestly, like I, I don't know where I would be right now without the support that I found in the HA society. Like, don't get me wrong. I had, I had support in my everyday life. Like I have very supportive friends, uh, a partner, parents, that sort of stuff, but they don't get it. They can try and like understand, but they won't really get it because they don't have to go through recovery. They can support you going through recovery, but when it comes down to like the nitty gritty of recovery, no, they, unless you've been through it, it's really hard to, to understand and really sympathize with someone, mm. you know, because with, with recovery, you're going against everything that you've been taught, everything that society tells you to do, you're going against it. And that's really brave to do. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to hear that from someone who's gone through it. Yeah, you, know? you definitely like 
having someone who hasn't gone through it be like, oh, you'll be okay. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter how much you love them. <laughs> Just like, look, Steve. No. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, you'll never understand. <laughs> exactly. It's like I and I you abs I absolutely need you to support me. Yeah. Um but yeah, just hearing it it's so easy to be like I don't believe you. So yeah. yeah I get it. Because yeah, and like that's the thing is they'll tell you like everything's going to be okay and like you know, I've had comments before like oh you probably won't have to gain that much weight and like I was oh like how God. do you know? Oh, I was like, no. How do you know? Damn it, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I get I get it. Did we talk about your most recent period then? So we, we talked about your oh, long yeah. cycles and how yeah. like that was rough. So where are we at now? So we went from the second cycle being 62 days to then my next cycle being 46 mm-hmm. to my uh fourth cycle being 40 days, which is when I started to introduce exercise. So I didn't do the three periods. Yay. I'm going to go back to exercise. Cause two things, I was terrified of exercise after my third period. I still didn't, I just still didn't feel ready. I still didn't feel like my relationship with exercise was healed enough to reintroduce it. Um, and B, my cycles were still too long. I set myself like a goal and I said I wanted to have my cycles around the 45-day mark before I started to reintroduce exercise just because 45 days or above is a really long time to wait to see if the exercise has done anything, you know, differently to your cycle. Um, So I started introducing exercise slowly after my uh, fourth period, and I am currently – as of 5 p.m. yesterday <laughs> on my fifth period, um, which is a cycle of 27 days, and I ovulated on cycle day 13. Oh, my gosh. Collapse for everyone. I know. So it's it's happened. I couldn't believe it when I started seeing cervical mucus on cycle day nine. I was like, no, this is too early. What are you doing? I just want you to know that's total rain man that you have all of this in your head by heart. I would never be like, oh, I, and I had cervical mucus on cycle day nine and then I ovulated cycle day 13. Like I always have to look back at my charts. So it's a little bit rain man, but it just shows that you have an obsessive personality. I do <laughs> have, have notes. Down. Okay, she got a post note. It didn't look like you were reading notes. Okay. Well, I mean, I do kind of – because I've spoken to quite a few women who have had these long cycles, like I kind of do know the progression of my recovery off by heart, just because I think it can be really helpful for people that are out there right now going through those really long cycles or still waiting for their first period to know that recovery is anything but linear. Mm. (laughs) For most of us, that's the case. Yeah. So, I mean, it's taken me, I've been doing recovery now for almost nine months and it's taken that long to get one cycle that is within that normal-ish range. Pretty pretty one that you could put up on the fridge, you know. Oh, literally, I'm going to frame it. Frame my (laughs) chart. Uh, yeah yeah I really appreciate all of the people in our community that are like dedicated to getting like a healthy cycle 
That's my favorite thing to see. So appreciate you, one of my faves. Aww, we, um, we're almost up on the hour before we have to jump into one of the events that we have going on. So was there any important points that you wanted to share, make messages that you got across? Um, I think the biggest one is just being resilient throughout recovery. Um, Constant vigilance. Yeah, like it's recovery is going to teach you so much more about yourself and your mental strength if you allow it to. If you really face it head on and don't shy away from it, which can be really hard to do at times. Trust me, I know I've been through it. Um, but I think the more that you can lean into recovery, the more you get out of it because, you know, I wrote that, that blog, that blog post for you, Danny. And like, it was all about the fact that I didn't just get my period back. I'd literally got my life back and it was a life that I didn't even know I was missing out on, Mm. you know, and to all those women out there recovering or in the middle of recovery, like it is so much nicer on this side and it's so worth it to get through all of all of the mess and you know difficulty that you may be going through right now it is it is worth it on the other side I promise I'll um I'll link to that blog that you wrote in the show notes people can go and check it out and stalk you and where else can they find you because I know that now you have an awesome Instagram that's super fun let us know. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So because of HA recovery and because of you, Danny, I decided to start my own Instagram page at the moment, just to sort of share my journey. Um, and obviously reflect on where I've come from and you can find that on Instagram at your period PT. Um, because yes, I am a qualified PT. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited you're telling your story. I know some other girls have expressed their excitement to hear your story. So yeah, everyone go follow Elise and I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And what else do I say at the end of podcasts? I don't, I usually don't say anything, but I should. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. (laughs) I love you guys. Hope you have a good day and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.